today we're continuing in our series on the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. Well, what's that? Well, the fruit of the Spirit is the things that the Holy Spirit, the, the virtues, the attributes that he grows in the life of a believer. That after you become a follower of Jesus, you put your trust in him, the Holy Spirit grows this fruit in your life. And all throughout scripture, you see this metaphor of like, uh, as a follower of Jesus, you're, and as a group of followers, we're like this tree and the Holy Spirit grows this fruit within us as we're healthy and as we're rooted in his word. And as Paul says, as we walk by the spirit, Uh, maybe a helpful metaphor for you as you think through this uh, on your own would be when you ever, whenever you see the logo of our church, the, the tree, have you ever noticed right in the bottom of the tree, it's kind of the silhouette of an open Bible because our desire is to be rooted in God's word. And as, as we're rooted in his word, that's what nurtures us. And over time, slowly we begin to grow good, healthy fruit, the fruit of the spirit. And uh, Paul says that happens by being in God's word and by, uh, by walking with the spirit. He talks about that in Galatians 5, verse 16. He says, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. See, if you walk by the Spirit, allowing the Spirit to fill you and empower you, uh, then you grow that good fruit over time in your life. But the opposite is also true. And he goes on to say those things, that when you don't walk by the Spirit, you begin to gratify the desires of your flesh and uh, uh, sinful things. And he has this whole list. But he says, in verse 22, he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience. Today we're going to talk about kindness. We're going to talk about kindness. So we're going to be in Ephesians actually today, chapter four and five. So you can turn there if you want to, but I'm going to pray. And then we're going to open up God's word together and uh, unpack Ephesians four and five. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that as we turn to you and as we trust you, Jesus, you make us new. And that even uh, after we've turned to you, when, when, uh, when we do sin and when we uh, mess up, Jesus, you still come back to restore us and to uh, welcome us back and by your spirit, uh, renew us and, and grow that fruit in our lives. Things like love and joy and peace and patience. And today is we're going to study kindness. Holy Spirit, would you work in and through me as I teach? And uh, would you grow in all of us and ripen in all of us? that fruit of the spirit in a world that, that desperately needs uh, people living those things out. Let us be those people by your power. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, uh, Ephesians chapter four today, if you got your Bible, you can turn there with me. Uh, Ephesians chapter four, looking at verse uh, 31, the end of the chapter, and we're gonna go into verse chapter five. Here's what Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. He says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Along with all malice, he says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. A fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Paul starts off there, verse 31. He says, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, all these things, he says, let it be put away from you. 
And one of the things that Paul does in the, in the book of Ephesians is he tells us about things that we need to take off and put away. He likens it to, to a change of clothes of who we are. And uh, the, the first thing we need to do this morning, we need to put away our old ways. Paul's calling us to put away our old ways, who we used to be. We were all that way. I mean, I read it earlier this morning as we were singing. We sang about it, that very first song. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, he, he talks, starts off saying that we were all dead in our sin and in our trespasses. That's who we were. We were children of wrath. We, we all start that way. Just we need someone to rescue us. You ever felt like, I, I just I can't get things together. I can't do enough. And you get frustrated with yourself. That's because we need a savior. We need Jesus to come and rescue us. And he says, though in verse four, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, he made us alive together with Christ. And by grace, you and I have been saved. See, what Paul was saying there is we've been made new. See, we're going we're gonna to unpack this a little bit of all these things we're going to put away. But first, I want you to have a little idea of, of Paul's letter to the Ephesians, that he starts off talking about who you are. And one of those things is that you are, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are new. You're brand new. Like, huh? I don't, what do you mean? I mean, like, like new. Like he's made you new. You've been born again. You were dead and now you're alive. You're new. Brand new. You're already new. In fact, uh, Jesus said this in John chapter 15. He said to his disciples, he said, you already, already you are clean because of the word I've spoken to you. So abide in me, he says, because you're clean, because that's who you are. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Do you, do you want to bear the fruit of the Spirit? Do you want to have that fruit of kindness in your life? Jesus says then, well, listen, you've been made new. You're clean. Now abide in me, and that fruit will grow. Stay close to me, and that fruit will grow. Now, uh, Paul even goes so far as to say in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that if anyone is in Christ, he's a brand new creation, that the old is gone, and the, behold, the new has come. All throughout the New Testament, those who trusted Jesus, you are, friend, you are new. Why don't you just turn to somebody sitting next to you and say, hey, you're new. Just tell them, tell them. And then say, uh, and, and you look good today too, <laughs> new you. Right? You're, friend, you are new. And as you walk in the Spirit, that's really true. The, the Holy Spirit grows that fruit of the Spirit in your life. And not only are you new, but you look new and you, you, you look good and you make Jesus look good as you live your life that way. That's a great, great thing. And if you're a truly Christian, you're new. But at the same time, you're sitting there going, Josh, I know I'm new, but man, you got to know I still struggle. I mean, I, I, I still struggle with sin. I still struggle with, uh, with anger. I mean, when you read that list from Paul a little bit ago, like some of those things are in my life, like bitterness, um, anger and wrath towards people. Like, I don't, I don't feel very new. I'm still struggling. Well, here's, here's the reality. When you become a Christian, there's like this paradox that begins to take place where the Holy Spirit regenerates you. He makes you brand new. And so positionally, you're in Christ. You know, the Bible always, uh, or rarely in the New Testament, does it say that followers of Jesus are Christians. It always says that they're in Christ. 
like they're veiled, like they're in Jesus Christ. They're, they're hidden in him. And positionally, then you are brand new. But practically, and you might say experientially, we still struggle, don't we? And so while you are already new, Paul tells the church in Ephesus, he also says you're being made new. And both of those things are true at the same time, that you are new, but you're also being made new. So if you're still struggling, that's okay. But the idea is that that the Holy Spirit is changing you and growing you, that as you abide in Christ, uh, the, the graph might not be a straight line. It might be a bit of a roller coaster, but over time, hopefully it's up and to the right to where you're growing to be more like Jesus and he's making you new. <clears throat> you're a work in progress and so am I. In, in fact, uh, Paul says this as well to, this, to the Corinthian church. He says, we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. So he says, you're a new creation, but he also says, you're being made new. You're being transformed. It's both. And they, they're not contradictory of one another. Uh, to Titus, he writes this. Titus was a pastor, and he said to Titus, he goes, uh, he, Jesus, saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is kind of an important verse for what we're talking about because uh, the Holy Spirit has uh, different things that he does. The Holy Spirit is God. He's a person of the Trinity, not an it, not a thing, a he, a, a person. And the Holy Spirit, the, the two primary things the Holy Spirit does is uh, one, uh, Paul says it here, he regenerates us, he makes us new, that when, when you trust Jesus Christ, you are made new, like you are brand new and you're a child of God. But he also renews us. It's regeneration. You are new, and it's also renewal, making you new. That he's growing you. He's, uh, the, you might have heard the term sanctifying you, making you more like Jesus. And that's the, the main work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And so what Paul is saying uh, when we read in, in, in Ephesians, you know, to put away these former things, he's saying, he, he had already said, man, you are new. And you're being made new, so live like it and ditch those old ways. Quit living like who you aren't. Ditch the old ways, man. Ditch them, get rid of them. Don't, that's not you. And uh, in fact, he, he says in Ephesians 4 earlier than what we read in verse 20, he says, that's not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self, which belongs to your former way of life, it's corrupt with deceitful desires and, and be renewed, be made new in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And then finally he gets to verse 31 and he says, so let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Let's take some time to talk about what are some of those things that need to be put away in our lives if you're a follower of Jesus. He gives us a short list here, and then we could go find other lists throughout Scripture, but let's just take these. In verse 31, first off, let all bitterness, bitterness. You know what bitterness is? Bitterness um, is an embittered, resentful spirit that just refuses reconciliation. And I probably don't even need to define it because the reality is that every person in this room, at some point in our lives, maybe even right now, have struggled or are struggling with bitterness. 
just this resentful attitude towards someone or something, maybe even towards God. And it refuses to be reconciled. Paul says, put that away. That's not who you are. See, bitterness, sometimes we remain bitter with somebody because we think if we hold on to that bitterness, it's going to hurt them. It doesn't. Bitterness only hurts you. Paul says, put that away. Now listen, that's not like, okay, yeah, Josh, that's sure. I'll just put it away. Put it in the drawer. That's easy. No, it's not easy. It's really incredibly hard. But as you abide in Jesus Christ, as you stay close to him, the Holy Spirit grows kindness in you and allows you to put away bitterness. And and maybe it'll take some counseling. Maybe it'll take some close friends to help you through that. But you need to put that away. Here, the next thing he mentions is wrath. Your translation might say rage or passion. And these next two, actually, wrath and anger, they kind of, they go together, really. I mean, all of these do. But you might think of them in this way, that, that wrath is kind of like, like a hot temper, like an outburst of anger. You ever known somebody like that? Like you say the wrong thing, and it's like you just lit a firecracker and just poof, and they're coming after you, or they get fired up. Well, that, that's wrath. That's like outbursts of anger. And then uh, anger itself, the idea there is really more like this idea of like this seething uh, attitude, like under the surface, stuffed down, bottled up. But they're often together because then occasionally the pop tops and the wrath comes and bubbles out, flies out. Paul says, listen, um, friends, if you're struggling with that, that's not you. If you're a follower of Jesus, and let's be honest, if you're a follower of Jesus, you know that's not you, and you know that's not how you should be. And so the, Paul says, put it away. Put it away. Stay close to Jesus. He'll help you put that away. Again, that's not an easy thing. It's going to take some work to put that away, but there's an active part we need to take in putting it away. And anger and wrath and bitterness, they just destroy unity among people. The next one, clamor. Your translation might actually say brawling brawling, like fighting, like contentiousness, like always just kind of wanting to pick a fight. You know that person? Like no matter what you say, it's like, okay, we're going to argue. Bring it on. This is the Frank Costanza part of the verse, you know, Festivus. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now you're going to hear about them. I mean, that's, that's clamor. Like this, this contentious spirit. Paul says, no, that's not how a believer should be. You shouldn't be contentious. Put that away. Put it away. You're like, but I want to fight. I know, put it away. Slander, abusive speech or evil speaking, destroying another person's good reputation by lying, gossiping, spreading rumors. Um, especially somebody else who's a follower of Jesus. Maybe, they've, maybe they have struggled. Maybe they've, uh, they've messed up. But you know what? They've repented. They've turned back to Jesus. And we don't want to slander them or lie. But that's, Paul says, put that away. Put it away. Slander, by the way, often, uh, we kind of tame it down in Western culture and call it politics. <laughs> have, you, have you seen anything like that? And we're like, oh yeah, that person, do you know what they said? Do you know what they did? Do you know who they are? Do you know them? Have you sat down with them? Yeah, well, it's just Politics, Josh. No, it's slander, friend. Speaking evil of someone, abusive speech. 
And, and malice is kind of a summary of all of it in a lot of ways, just doing evil despite good that's been received. It's like this deliberate attempt just to harm someone else. Paul's like, listen, friends, put it away. Put it away. That's not you. It's not you. He writes something really similar to the church in Colossae, to the Colossian church. He says in chapter three, but uh, now you must put them all away. And he lists them again, anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Don't lie to one another, seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices and you've put on the new self, which is being renewed. See, you are new and you're being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator to be like Jesus. Paul says, put it away, take it off, get rid of it. Have you ever moved into a new house? And you moved into a new home that maybe you bought or you rented and you move in and whoever lived there before you, the old person who lived there, had maybe a different taste than you. And so you're like, you know what? This shag carpet's gotta go. That carpet's gotta go. This wall needs to be moved. Uh, that wall needs to be painted. And you, you get into this house and you move in and you're like, this just isn't me. It doesn't fit. Even in fact, like the wallpaper is just, it's got to go. And so you start just kind of tearing off the wallpaper. Don't worry, we're painting this whole wall in a couple months. <laughs> and the wallpaper is all coming down. <clears throat> I haven't lost it yet. But here's the idea. That, that get, that's the old, like that gets, that gets taken away and torn down and it gets clothed. Then you get clothed with what's new, not with, you, you take down the bitterness and the anger and the wrath and the malice and the slander and all of that sin. And you put on what's new. Now, some of you, you're going to walk in now and you're going to see, and there's other places too, where the wallpaper is just old. It's it needs kind of refreshing and needs to be renewed. And you're going to see that now more than maybe you've ever seen it before since I just tore a piece off. And some of you thought, oh boy, what's he doing? But here's the thing. The next time you see it, here's my hope. Not that you see like old wallpaper that you're like, man, that really needs to go. But that you'll be reminded, uh, what is it in my life that's old and still hanging around that needs to come down? What, uh, what things that aren't the fruit of the Spirit need to be peeled off in my life? And put away. And that by the power of the Spirit, as you stay close to Jesus, those things would be taken off and put away, and the new would come and grow. See, Paul says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be, and then, then he goes on, though, so you're going to put these things away, and as you do, kindness is going to grow. The fruit of kindness will begin to grow. See, as you put away those things then, and stay close to Jesus and in his word, the Holy Spirit grows good fruit in your life like the fruit of kindness. And it doesn't just happen overnight. It's, it's a long haul. It's like a tree doesn't just grow fruit like that. It takes time. But as you stay close, those things, get those things put away, kindness grows. See, look at verse 32, because then he can, can, uh, conflicts what he just said uh, or shows the contrast of what he just said, excuse me, and he says in verse 32, so be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Be kind. That's what we're talking about today. Putting away those old things so that the new would grow, and part of that new is kindness. How are you doing at being kind? 
in a day and age where everyone seems to be outraged about something. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like we're going to be talking about that in another month or so, just this series on what's it look like as a Christian to live in an age of outrage where everyone is fired up about something. Well, I, it looks like bearing the fruit of the Spirit. And in kindness, you might define it like this. It's the quality of being warm-hearted, considerate, humane, gentle, sympathetic. All those are, are kind of synonyms for kindness, biblical kindness, the fruit of kindness. It's a, it's a warmth of heart. It's, it's gentle. It's tenderness. In fact, the Greek word here, Christostis is, is sometimes translated gentleness. And kindness is essentially this goodness of heart, this, this gentleness. It's a noble virtue that always seeks to do good. I mean, you remember the words of, of, of Paul in Romans 3, maybe, where he says in chapter 3, verse 12, uh, there is no one who does good. No, not one. Have you heard that before? There's no one who does good. It's the same word that Paul uses here for kindness. So you could really say there's no one who does kindness. Not one. Why? Because it's the fruit of the Spirit. It's, it's only God is good. And so he grows that goodness and that kindness in our lives as we stay close to Jesus. I mean, where is kindness in our culture? There's not a lot of it these days, is there? So what an opportunity for those of us who know Jesus who know a God who is totally and perfectly kind and offers to grow his kindness in us so that we can display it to others. What an opportunity to be people who shine the light of the gospel, of, of the kindness of God towards our friends and family and our world, to be sent to love, as our mission says. Well, um, kindness, Paul, Paul talks about also being tenderhearted. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted. It's that tenderness, gentleness. And by the way, that is not weakness. Like uh, guys, especially to be kind, to be gentle, to be tender towards your spouse, towards your children, towards others is not weakness. It's not. It's godliness. And it's good. Colossians 3.12, uh, I told you Paul writes similar things uh, to the church in uh, Colossae. We actually read this in our reading earlier. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. That meekness, it's used to describe Jesus too, right? And meekness is not weakness. Meekness is power under control. It's like the Holy Spirit uh, uh, helps you to rein in and put away those things that might express themselves uh, in just really harmful ways like bitterness and anger and wrath and, and, and put it away and have control, self-control, another fruit of the Spirit over those things and instead display kindness to people. I mean, Jesus kind of summed it up with the golden rule, right? Whatever... It's a great description of kindness. Do unto others whatever you'd want them to do unto you. That's kindness, tenderness, gentleness. And that should mark the life of a follower of Jesus. Friend, if, if kindness isn't growing in your life, do you really know Jesus? I mean, have you really trusted him? Have you really become a Christian? If not, man, turn to him. He'll grow kindness in you. Now, that's not to say you're not going to struggle. You will. We're, we're new, but we're being made new. But be aware of those things. 
And, and the other thing he says, you know, be kind to one another, tenderhearted. This one's not so fun sometimes, forgiving one another. It's part of being kind. Forgiving. Yeah, but Josh, I don't, I don't want to forgive. I don't want to. Okay, so you're just going to be bitter and angry? Okay, well, I can forgive, but then they need to do something first. Okay, well, how does Paul say to forgive, though? What does Scripture say on how to forgive? Forgive one another as what? As God in Christ Jesus forgave you. How did he do that? Well, it cost him something, didn't it, to forgive? See, when, when you forgive someone, it actually costs you something. It's, it can be really hard. It can be really painful. But it's also worth it because you can let that go and your bitterness can be put away and you can learn to forgive. Now, listen, again, hard thing, right? Easy to say, really, really hard to do. That's why you need Jesus, why you need the spirit to help you with that. It doesn't just say here, he said it in Colossians there too. He said, bearing with one another, if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, you also must forgive uh, John MacArthur has a book on forgiveness called The Freedom and Power of Forgiveness. And he argues in that book that a lot of times uh, relationships end primarily because uh, people can't get to the point of forgiving one another. And they hold on to that bitterness and they refuse to forgive the way that God has forgiven us. Forgiveness, it's a, it's a choice by the offended party to set aside the other person's transgression, to not permit that offense to cause um, a, a rift in the relationship. Now listen, forgiveness doesn't mean like you just totally gloss over and ignore and pretend a, a wrong done to you has never happened. God doesn't, it doesn't pretend like we never sinned. But he doesn't hold it against us. And he put it all on Jesus Christ. So, so learning to forgive. Sometimes there are some things to be dealt with, but at the same time, as you stay close to Jesus, he can help you to let go of that, to put it away, and to turn to him and, and to allow him to heal those things. And believers, we need to be constantly, especially forgiving one another. Again, in what way? Like Jesus forgave us. Like Jesus forgave us, we need to forgive one another completely. I mean, we see it all over in Scripture. We see it in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our, as I memorized it, our trespasses as we forgive what? Those who trespass against us. I don't know about you, but that's a prayer that sometimes as I really think about it, I go, Lord, I hope you don't answer that prayer. I hope you forgive me like you forgive, not like I forgive other people sometimes because there's times where I don't forgive like you forgive. And if God only forgave us like we forgave others at times, we'd be in a whole lot of trouble. Instead, we need to forgive like God forgives us. And friend, that is a really painful and hard thing. But again, as you put away your old ways, kindness grows. It helps you to be tenderhearted. It helps you to forgive. And as you do those things, you and I, we become more like Jesus. See, when the fruit of the Spirit grows in us, ultimately, you know what the fruit of the Spirit really is? It's a description of Jesus Christ. I mean, who, who else lived out and lives out all of those attributes perfectly of, of love? Jesus, he's the only one. Of, of perfect joy, Jesus. Of, of peace, Jesus. Patience, kindness, gentleness. 
all of those things. It's, it's a description of Jesus. And as, as we stay close to him, we become more like him. As we put away our old ways, we become more like Jesus. In fact, that's what Paul says after he tells us, put away those things, be kind. He says, therefore, uh, when you see therefore in the Bible, what do you ask yourself? What's it there for? He's talking about something that was right before it. Like he just said, you know, put away the old, put on the new. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Imitate Jesus. Be like Jesus. Friends, in Jesus Christ, you're a child of God. And there's a lot of parallels between a a child in a physical sense and being a child of God. So many. I mean, chances are, have you ever said or done something where you're like, oh man, that was my dad, that was my mom coming out in me. And like something about them has been like imprinted on you. Well, as you become a follower of Jesus, you're made new. You become a child of God. And it's as if the Holy Spirit then is imprinting this fruit, these good things of who Jesus is onto you. And suddenly as you grow, some of you have had this experience where as you grow, you say something or you respond to someone in some way and you go, wow, five years ago, I could have never done that. I would have never been that gracious. I would have never been that kind. I would have zero peace in this situation. But the Holy Spirit grows those things in you and you begin to imitate Jesus and we're called to imitate Jesus. And it is, it's this, it's this weird paradox whereby both uh, the Holy Spirit does all the work in growing those things in us, but at the same time, Paul says, you're, you're commanded to do these things too. And so we have responsibility to do them, but ultimately it's the Holy Spirit who does it and it's this living in this life of combination with Jesus Christ and letting the Holy Spirit do those things in us. And one of those things is we're commanded to show kindness like God does, to imitate Jesus. We're to be gentle, like we saw in Colossians 3. Uh, I won't won't read it again, but Romans chapter 11, I I quoted this earlier this morning in our first service. Romans 11, it's in verse 22. It says, behold, the kindness and the severity of God. To those who fell, severity, but to you, God's kindness. Behold, pay attention to God's kindness. And then he says, and if if you continue in his kindness. Otherwise you'll be cut off. That's a rough verse. If you continue in his kindness, if you bear fruit, as you stay close to Jesus, friends, you will. And there's always to be this kindness manifested in the life of a believer. And it comes from the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus tells us, be merciful even as your father is merciful. Imitate him. Uh, Be perfect even as your heavenly father is perfect. Imitate him. Paul said earlier in Ephesians in in chapter 2, verse 7, that um, God shows us his uh, incredible kindness, the riches of his kindness to us in Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ. Imitate him in kindness. In other words, uh, bear fruit bear fruit, right? Uh, That's what verse two, Paul goes on here. He says, walk in love, be imitators of God as loved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Walk in love, bear fruit 
Jesus says to bear fruit in keeping with repentance. In other words, uh, to bear fruit because that's who you are. In keeping with your repentance, in keeping with your turning to God, bear fruit. And bearing fruit happens as we stay close to Jesus. And it's, uh, we've said it before, but it's an internal thing, like it grows within us, but it also has an external expression. So the Holy Spirit is growing in me hopefully, right, love over time as I stay close to Jesus. And then that gets expressed in my life externally. And he's growing in me joy that gets expressed externally. And he's growing in me peace that gets expressed and patience that gets expressed and kindness, tenderheartedness, gentleness. The Bible speaks all throughout the Old Testament of God's loving kindness, his love toward us. And we're to imitate him. So this week, let's be putting off those things that are not who we are. See, uh, other religions, and, and may even uh, maybe some of your own background, you've, you've bought into the lie that I have to do enough good things for God to love me. And if I get it right, he's going to love me. And then I'll be okay, and it'll be good, and I gotta, but I gotta, get, I gotta get my act together first. The gospel is so opposite of that because that's such a lie that you, have, you, have you tried that? And you've fallen short every time, haven't you? The gospel says this, no, Jesus makes you new. You're already new. And then he begins to make you new. He's making you new so that you grow and you begin now to live like it. And you live it out and you bear fruit. So you can't bear that good fruit by trying harder. You've gotta become a brand new tree. And the Holy Spirit does that as you trust Jesus Christ. So if you've trusted him, stay close to him. If you haven't, I commend him to you. Let's pray.